2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says this. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. So if you didn't know it, that's where we got the name for this church from that verse, you see. But the word spirit in this verse, in this context, is not actually referring to the Holy Spirit. And it's neither is it talking about your own born-again human spirit. In this particular instance, it's talking about the dominant characteristic or prevailing attribute of a person. And so what he's saying is, it's not enough to have faith. He said, we live by faith. And it's interesting, in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 9, it refers to Abraham as the man of faith. It's amazing. You know, like Superman is the man of steel. Abraham's called the man of faith. And that means that faith was his most outstanding feature. What, is it, what did Abraham look like? You don't know. You don't know whether he was tall or short. You don't know whether he had red hair or black hair, a big nose, small nose, whether he was skinny like me or, you know, more fat like some of you. We don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. Because it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. The thing that was remem- Abraham was remembered for was his faith. And Paul said to Christians in Rome, in Romans chapter 1, verse 8, and the contemporary English version, it says, Romans 1, 8, people everywhere in the world are talking about your faith. So they had famous faith. That means when you have a spirit of faith, even people who don't know God will recognize it. What is everybody saying about you? What will they write on your tombstone? What will you be remembered as? Is it just your good looks? You know, that's a very temporary situation. (laughs) Is it just your talent, your natural talents? Well, that's nice, but if you have a spirit of faith, that's something that will not only change your life, it will be remembered throughout eternity. But the word spirit in this verse also means attitude. Somebody say the word attitude. Attitude. In fact, the word is used that way in a couple of verses. For example, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23, it tells us, And be renewed in the spirit. See, there's the word spirit. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That's a little bit confusing because your spirit and your mind are not the same thing. But other translations say attitude. For example, the International Standard Version says, be renewed in your mental attitude. Hmm. See, some people, you know, they need to change their attitude. God's Word translation says, you were taught to have a new attitude. So that means faith is not just a doctrine. It's more than knowledge. It's an attitude of the heart. 
I said it's an attitude of the heart. So there are some people, you know, who say they have faith, but they don't have an attitude of faith. Some people I know, they're, they're, they're sweet folks, they're sincere, but everything they say is tinged with sadness. It's kind of like, praise the Lord, Brother John. God's really blessing us, isn't he? It just sounds sad. Then other people, you know, they say they have faith, but they have an attitude of pessimism, right? But it's impossible for you to have a spirit of faith and be a negative person. And if you are depressed all the time, you don't believe. That's your problem. I said, if you are depressed all the time, I know we all have difficulties, you know, it's going to rain on your parade eventually. I know that we all face disappointments, right? But you don't have to, you know, when you're disappointed, you can just be reappointed. You don't have to stay there. But some people that are just always just down and dark, that's because you don't believe. That's your problem. Oh, but I've been in church. I don't want to hear your religious resume right now. We can tell by your attitude you don't believe. Can I get an amen from a believer here today? And then again, both uh, the New Living Translation and another version, the New Life Version, say we have the same kind of faith. We have the same kind of faith. That tells me there are different kinds of faith. And that also tells me the faith that you have right now might not be the kind God is looking for. It's real quiet in this Holy Ghost Church. I said, it could mean that the faith you have is not the kind God wants. Some people, they're probably not here this morning. They're watching online, I suppose. Some people have religious faith. And when I say that, I don't mean it as a compliment, actually. They have, they have more faith in ceremonies and rituals than they do in God. Some people have more faith in a candle or, or incense or, or a glass icon or a statue than the power of the Holy Ghost. We're going to go tonight and we're going to light a candle for world peace. Well, that makes for a nice Instagram photo, but that didn't change the world even one millimeter. <laughs> You're just wasting your time. Are you out there today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Then again, other people have blind faith. They believe something simply because they want to. Whether it's true or not, doesn't matter. Why do you believe it? Simply, that's not a good answer. Are you out there today? The kind of faith that pleases God is enlightened faith. It's based on something. It's based on the knowledge of God's word. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14, it says, and if, it's, he's giving an argument, you see, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. He's making the argument that Christ has been raised from the dead. 
And he's saying if he hasn't, then what we believe is folly. And what we're preaching is foolish, you see. Unfounded faith is fantasy. I mean, you could climb on the roof of this church and say, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. And the devil will tell you, go ahead and jump. And we'll have some place to go. Your funeral. See, that's unfounded faith. A lot of people say, oh, I just believe this. I just believe that my candidate will win the election. What are you basing that faith on? Just, just want to believe it. That's unfounded faith. Unfounded faith results in disappointment. And if you believe a lie, that's not what the Bible calls faith. There's another word for that. It's called deception. <laughs> faith, Bible faith, is not deception. It's believing the truth. It's rooted in the truth of God. In fact, we believe the word of God in its entirety, even the parts we don't like. Come on, if you're a real believer, you believe it all, not just a few select verses. Some people read the Bible with sunglasses on, sunspecs, and some verses are just blacked out. They don't see those verses because they don't want to see them. I remember years ago, a guest speaker spoke on tithing. Don't worry, we've already taken the offering, so just relax. You don't have to clutch your purse right now. But he spoke on tithing. And when the service was over, one church member came up to me and said, I, 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 you know, I just I don't understand that. I just don't get it. I said, what is there you don't understand? Ah, I, I just, I, you don't want to see it. You can't see anything with your eyes closed. Hallelujah. I would like to believe there is no hell. I would like to believe that everyone is going to heaven. But that's a lie. The Bible does not say that. And if I preach that, my preaching is in vain. It's a waste of time. In fact, it's worse than that. I'm deceiving people. I'm leading them astray. Amen? Because I love you, you may not always appreciate me, but I'm telling you the truth. It may not always be what you want to hear, but it might be what you need to hear. I'd rather have you hate me and love God than love me and hate God. <laughs> Amen. Then again, some people, and I'm not sure if they're here. I won't take a moment to look around. But some people have dead faith. Don't raise your hand right now. Some people, <laughs> that's me. Some people have dead faith. James chapter 2, verse 17 says this, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Hmm, that's interesting. The Good News translation says it this way. Faith, if it is alone and includes no actions, then it is dead. Some people say, well, I only, the only thing I have is faith. Well, then it's dead. Because if it's alone, it has no life. It has to have corresponding actions. Living faith does more than admire the promises of God. It acts upon them. 
Real faith is an act of obedience. Amen? In fact, I'd rather not have any faith than have dead faith. I mean, I'd rather not have a dog than have a dead dog. Dead things smell bad. Have you noticed that? Some Christians, now what a pity they're not here this morning. Some Christians, when you're with them, you notice spiritually there's this bad odor. You know what I'm talking about? Like this attitude. Well, hello. Praise the Lord, Pastor John. Have you read the news? Yeah. Everybody's going to hell. How you doing today? Yeah, I don't think we're going to make it. Praise the Lord. Just hanging on till the rapture, just pushing along. And you're like, what is that bad smell? It's dead faith. Have you ever been in a lift with someone who's never used deodorant in the summertime? <laughs> There's three or four of you in the small little cramped little lift and you're like... And you, you try to, not to make eye contact, but you're looking around the room. Who is it? Who is it? And you can't wait to get out of there. Like, I was going to go to the 13th floor, but I'll just get off the next floor. That's fine. I, I'll, I'll walk. I'll take the stairs. Some people, you know, they've got this dead faith and they stink. And then dead things attract flies. What's that buzzing around your head? The dead faith. <laughs> Amen. Don't shout so loud no one can hear me preach this morning. Are you here today? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Praise God. Dead faith is never demonstrated faith. See, some people just talk a good talk, but they don't walk a good walk. It's never demonstrated. In fact, I think this is interesting. James said, we read verse 17 earlier, but notice in verse 18, he said, show me your faith apart from your works, or in other words, actions, and I will show you my faith by my works or by my actions. So anybody can say, I have faith. See, when you talk about faith, some people get irritated. Are you, are, are you saying that I don't have faith? Is that what you're saying? Are you saying that I don't? Let me tell you something. I was born in church. My father was a pastor. I, I graduated from theological cemetery. I don't talk to me, but I know all about faith. What are those flies? What's that bad smell around here? The dead faith. You can see living faith by the actions that people take. Well, Pastor John, do you have any faith? Look around this room. Look, at, look around this room. You're, you're sitting in the results of my faith. Are you out there today? But it'd be better to say you're sitting in the results of God's goodness and God's grace. But it didn't just happen. We had to believe God. Hallelujah. Then again, going back to 2 Corinthians 4.13, it goes on to say, according to what has been written... So the spirit of faith is always based on what has been written. You can't have this type of faith apart from the scriptures, you see. Hallelujah. That's why I don't think there's ever a Sunday service or Wednesday service in this church where we don't say, open your Bible. I don't think I've ever preached anywhere. I have to think about it. But I mean like a church service where I haven't said, let's open our Bible or, or I read to you, this is what the word of God says. 
Amen. The man who falls in love with the Bible will never fall out of love with Jesus. So let me read to you from the Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. That's interesting. See, some people accept the message they hear, but they see it only as something that came from man. So when the service is over, someone will shake man and say, I'm so encouraged by the talk you gave this morning. This isn't a talk. This is the word of God. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. This is not the good book. This is God's word. The Bible is God speaking to me. Hallelujah. So when I receive it, I'm receiving God. When I reject it, I am disregarding what God is saying. Anyone who tells you otherwise is a liar and a heretic. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And the New King James Version says that the word also effectively works in you who believe. Well, you know, all of that stuff sounds nice, but... You know, to be honest with you, it's not working in my life. Well, now we know why. (laughs) It works in you who believe, not in you who doubt. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amening. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. He's not talking to me. He must be talking to you. Praise the Lord. So then, in 2 Corinthians 4.13... Come on, if you don't say amen, it's going to be a long morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul goes on to quote a verse from the Psalms. See, he's quoting as it is written. He's quoting from Psalm 116, verse 10. You know, I believed, therefore I spoke. Now, it's not clear. Psalm 116, verse 10 is what he's quoting. It's not clear, at least I don't think anybody knows for sure, who wrote that psalm. You see, Uh, but the New Living Version says this, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, we have the same kind of faith as David had. So they think maybe David wrote that song. Maybe. All of us at some point will eventually encounter a Goliath. Whether you have the David kind of faith or not, is shown by your actions. Are you out there today? I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we speak. If you have this kind of faith, you cannot stay silent because the spirit of faith, the kind of faith that gets results is not only in the heart, it's also in the mouth. Hallelujah. Some people say, well, pastor, I have a silent faith. 
then you don't have the same kind of faith Paul had. And you don't have the same kind of faith David had. The kind of faith that gets results has a voice. So you better find your voice. If your faith is not strong enough to move your mouth, neither will it move the hand of God. Come on. Are you listening to me right now? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you are mute, if you are silent, you will lose the battle. The giant is going to say something. Goliath is going to talk trash to you. But like David, you better have something to say back to him. Come on, it's time you start talking back to the devil. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. On board a ship to Rome in the midst of a tempestuous storm, a violent storm, a super cyclone, Paul stood on the deck and boldly made an announcement. In Acts 27, 25, he said, So take heart, men. He's not, he's not preaching to a, you know, a Baptist church. He's not, he's not preaching to a Pentecostal church. These are just rough and, and, and tumble sailors. He said, Be of good cheer, men. That's amazing. One man with faith in his heart can not only calm the storm, he can calm the hearts of those who are going through it. Be of good cheer. Be of, take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. So you see, the spirit of faith is cheerful. It's positive and it's courageous. Some Christians have a fair weather faith. They believe as long as things are going well. But the spirit of faith shines in the storm. When there are blue skies and, 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 and smooth waters, Paul looked just like any other passenger. But when the storm came and life looked to be threatened, there's one man who stood out from the crowd and said, I believe God. Hallelujah. Come on, anybody can say, I have faith when the sun is shining, the, the, the children are smiling, your wife is happy, you know, your, your in-laws love you. Anybody can say, I have faith when you have money in your pocket, you feel good and healthy. Anybody can say, I have faith. That proves nothing. I said, that proves nothing. But when all hell is breaking loose and you feel like you don't have a friend in this world and you have nothing in your pocket but a hole, but you say, but I believe God, but I believe God, that shows you have something other people don't have. Come on, somebody say amen, hallelujah. Every challenge in life is an opportunity for you to grow in faith. Come on, that's why some people say, Lord, I want to be strong in faith. And then problems start coming. And they say, God, why is this happening? Well, you asked for it. Just like muscles in your body do not develop unless you use them, so it is with faith. If you don't use it, you will lose it. Amen. My wife this summer, you know, uh, she was determined to change me. So she got us a membership at the gym. You know, I told her she's got a new boyfriend. His name is Jim. Spends more time with Jim than she does with me. 
And so, you know, she would drag me there, you know, well, as much as often as she could, you know. And, but this funny thing in the gym, I noticed there's a little culture there in the gym, right? You probably know this, right? Some guys just kind of walk around, hang out by the water cooler and, you know, just chit-chat. Hey, how you doing? Did you see the ball game last night on TV? Think it's going to rain today? They're not, they're just hanging around. You don't lose weight by hanging around the gym. <laughs> right? You got to get on the machines. You got to, and it, it's, nobody said it's going to be pleasant. If you're smiling, you probably don't have enough weight on the, on the bar. <laughs> hey, how you doing, Bill? Hey, Tom. You know, you, no, no. It doesn't look pretty. I don't want anybody taking my picture while I'm, my veins are popping out of my neck, you know. If you want to be a man of faith, nobody said it's going to be pretty. Come on. What, do you want to be pretty or do you want to be bold and victorious? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So storms will come. Hallelujah. If your life was intended to be a picnic, you wouldn't need much faith. Just get saved, go to heaven, that's pretty much it. Read Hebrews 11. Great heroes of faith. None of them had an easy life. They all had trouble. Your trouble's coming. Some of you have had a lot of trouble come. I, get, I know that. What are you going to do? Stand on the deck and say... But I believe God. But I believe God. Even now, I believe God. Come on, somebody shout and praise the Lord for just a moment right now. Hallelujah. So, the point is, if you want a different kind of life, you may need a different kind of faith. Amen? I believed, therefore I have spoken. And I'll just tell you one thing else. You may be thinking... I don't really feel like I, I really believe like I should. Well, if you'll just begin to say what God says, it'll change how you feel inside, in your heart. God's word didn't come from his pen. It came from his mouth. And he spoke it so that it could be spoken. See, I... Um, I, f I flew a few times, uh, you know, of course, all the way to America, but in America, flew to different places. I don't know if you can relate to this. Some of you might understand this, but, um, you know, uh, there's, certain, there's a certain row on the plane, the airliner, you know, that's an exit row. So, so it's, there's, a, there's an exit port or door right there. And so this happened more than once to me. You know, so the stewardess, she comes up to me, and there's some other passengers there, and she says, excuse me, all right, she says, before we take off, do you understand that you are seated in an exit row and that if, we, if the captain requires your help, will you be able to help us in the case of an emergency? And we all just kind of went like, hmm. And she said, I need a verbal response. I need a verbal response. In other words, it's not enough to nod your head or just kind of smile. You need to say something. Well, you are seated on an exit row on this gospel airline. And the Holy Ghost is saying, I need a verbal response from you. You can't just sit there and nod your head and kind of, mm-hmm, okay. No, I'm looking for a verbal response. I believe and therefore I have spoken. Look at your neighbor and say, God needs a verbal response from you. Hallelujah. Now let's look at another verse. 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. This is not hard. In fact, it's very basic. But maybe some people need something that's not very basic. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Amen. So instead of a spirit of faith, some Christians have a spirit of fear. In other words, fear is the most prominent attribute of their personality. Now, this verse makes it clear that fear does not come from God. And if something does not come from God, we should not have it. Now, if you came to my house and found hidden in my closet a bottle of whiskey or a bag of marijuana, which you won't find because I don't have those things. But if you found those things in my house, you would be very disappointed in me. Yet every day there are Christians who are hooked on fear and nobody's particularly bothered by that. They get their fear fix every day. Mostly watching the news. Let me get my fear fix. Uh, yeah, the world is falling apart. Oh, that's what I need. Really, this church is a fear rehab. I said it's a fear rehab to get rid of that spirit of fear that so many people have. Of course, it doesn't necessarily mean that people are terrorized. It means they're shy. Your silence proves you are shy. <laughs> if you are shy, you are dry. Shyness is the fear of man. And it brings a snare. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So faith comes by hearing God's word. The devil's lies create fear. So when Christians are in fear, we know who they have been listening to. What's that smell? Oh, it's flesh burning. Yes, praise God. <laughs> Amen. I said when Christians are in fear, we know who they have been listening to. Amen. Faith is being sure that God will do exactly what he said. Just like Paul mentioned, just like Paul announced. Fear is perverted faith. Fear is being confident in the enemy's ability to ruin your life. Fear is faith in the devil. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. And if you're going to doubt something, doubt the devil. Come on, some Christians who've been in church their whole life, you can tell them what the Bible says. Well, the Bible says, my God shall supply all our needs. And they go, yeah, I know that, but, you know. Or, you know, the Bible says, by his stripes you were healed. Well, I mean, but I had an aunt once, and she was a Christian, and she died. And the Bible says, Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I'll give it. I'll do it. Well, you never know what's going to happen. But when the devil says something, they believe it like gospel. 
Come on. Just the, this the thought will come from the enemy. You're going to die. And they say, pray for me. I'm going to die. You, 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 know, you're, you believed and therefore you spoke. <laughs> come on. That's true. Hallelujah. If you're going to doubt something, doubt the devil. And the enemy says, oh, you're going get, get, you're gonna, to you're gonna get tuberculosis. You're going to die. Say, oh, not about that. Doubt the devil. You're never going to get a job. Oh, I, don't, I don't believe that. Doubt the devil. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Fear is faith in reverse. Faith opens the door to God and allows him to work in our lives. Now, some folks say, oh, you, you don't have to open the door for God. He'll just come on in. Then why did Jesus say, I stand at the door and knock? Why did he say, here I come, I'm going to bust the door down? Why doesn't, why doesn't he just save every sinner right now? Because he needs their cooperation. They have to believe. Faith opens the door to God and allows him to work in our lives. So the thing is, like, a lot of times what we're doing is we're not cooperative. We're making it difficult for God. That he would like to do so much more. I'm really convinced of this from the Bible. He would like to do so much more for us, but we're not allowing him to do it. Why? Some people, we kind of like open the door for just a quick second. Is it God? Okay. Okay, open the door. Okay, come in. Okay, okay. Believe fully. But fear gives the adversary access to do mischief in our life. So we could say it this way, without fear, it's impossible to please the devil. That's not, see, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But we could say, without fear, it's impossible to please the devil. That's a bad uh, comment on our life, commentary, when the devil smiles and says, I'm very pleased with you. <laughs> we don't want the devil to say, I love this church. I love being here. I enjoy every sermon. I love the fear here. I'm just so encouraged. No, that, that's not what we want. Amen. The enemy is looking for fear. Like a wild animal, when he smells fear, it emboldens him. I don't, I don't know much about being out in the outdoors so much, but, you know, I've, told, I've heard this from others that, you know, if you're like around a, a wolf, or some bear or something, they can somehow tell when, they're, when you're afraid. They can just kind of smell it. And if you're afraid, they'll attack. But if you're not afraid, it kind of puts them back on their heels a little bit. I tell the story when I was a boy. I told this all the time. I was walking down the road one day in my neighborhood and came to into the road and, and there was this big dog. And he saw me. His ears perked up like this and he started barking. Rah, 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 rah. You know, and my heart skipped a couple of beats and everything like that. And, and I turned to leave and then I ran and he ran after me which is a perfect picture of many Christians and the devil. The devil barks, you turn to run, and he chases right after you. Now, some Christians say, praise the Lord, I've got the devil on the run. The only problem is he's chasing me. <laughs> right? Years later, I was married. We hadn't been married too long, and me and my wife are walking down that same road, 
Same road. And I kind of forgot about it. And there was that same house, that same dog. He's there. We're both older. I don't know if he's married, but I am. And, and, uh, <laughs> and he saw me and I saw him. And it's like, you know, here we go again, you know. And he went, but this time, I don't want my newly wedded bride to think she married a, a coward. So I'm just kind of cool there. And he came up to us. And he was sniffing. I don't know, dogs, they like to sniff, don't they? Sniff your toes and just sniff it or anything like that. And I was just kind of. Now, he didn't know it. But inside, I was going, <laughs> you know. But, <laughs> but, but then again, Jeppy didn't know it either, so that's good. <laughs> I was kind of. And he sniffed around me, walked around there, and he kind of went off. That's exactly like the devil, too. The devil will bark. He'll show you his teeth. I'm going to kill you. And you're just kind of like, I'm going to give it your best shot. And he'll leave you alone. You don't resist the devil with your fear. See, some Christians quote Bible verses. I bind you, Satan. I bind you. I resist you. In the name of Jesus. And the devil's like, lunchtime. They can smell the fear. I really believe that. Those demons, they can smell that fear a mile away. Hallelujah. Faith is like a magnet. Faith is like a magnet. It draws to us the things we hope for. Fear attracts the things we dread. After his children died, and all of his cattle were destroyed. Job said, in Job 3.25, New King James Version, he said, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. That means before it happened, he anticipated it. See, the man who has faith and the one who has fear sees the future. The man who has faith and the man who has fear. He not only sees the future, he shapes it. He says, I knew that would happen. Good or bad, he says, I knew that would happen. That's why the man of faith, the believer who's standing in faith, when the answer arrives, he's like, well, I'm not surprised. I knew that would happen. See, some people... Maybe the answer comes to their prayer, the money or whatever, and they're like in shock. It happened. It happened. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. See, that proves they weren't in faith. It must have been somebody else's faith. It wasn't theirs. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me change gears. My time is slipping away here. In Proverbs 14, 26, here's another verse. In the fear of the Lord... One has strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge or will have refuge. There's different kinds of faith, and there's also different kinds of fear. This fear, from Proverbs 14, 26, and many other verses, this is a good thing, the fear of the Lord. This is a good thing. The fear of the Lord 
is a continual awareness of God's greatness. That's the best definition I can give you. A continual awareness of God's greatness. It means that you stand in awe of him. He's a mighty God. Hallelujah. And we should never grow bored with God. We should never take him for granted. It is the carnal mind that likes to shrink who God is. But that's not the spirit of God. He's bigger than your little peanut brain can ever imagine. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far beyond your wildest dreams, whatever you hope for or ever could ask for. So several years ago, I preached uh, in America in the state of Arizona. And the pastor I preached for said to me, while you're here, you should visit the famous Grand Canyon. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. It's a very large canyon, as you might imagine. You should visit the Grand Canyon. So I, I, I drove for uh, several hours, and um, the Grand Canyon sits like at the top of a, not exactly a hill, but it's what they would call a plateau. The ground just kind of slowly, gently rises to like a flat area. So what that means is you can't see the Grand Canyon from a distance. It's really a strange thing. As you're driving, and, I, and later I, I went back with Jeppe and my children, and same thing, you know, it didn't, move, it didn't change while I was gone. And, uh, and you can't see it from a distance. Like, where's the Grand Canyon? I don't, I don't see it at all. So I parked the car, we got out, and we walked to the viewing area, which is basically the very edge of this gigantic enormous canyon. It's like, you know, miles across and miles deep, and it's just so big you can't take it in. And soon as you come up to the precipice, like the edge there, boom, suddenly it's there. And it just takes your breath away. <gasps> and the funny thing was other people got out of their cars too, and I could hear them all up and down the, the rail where I was standing. Because <gasps> <gasps> when you see it, it's just so big. It blows your mind. Right now, God's presence is with you. But the thing is, where you're seated, you may not see it. You got to draw closer. You got to get out of your comfort zone and draw closer to him. And when you stand in that place, suddenly <gasps> he takes your breath away. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. The fear of the Lord is reverence and deep respect for God and a wholesome dread of displeasing him. See, if God is a small fry, then disobeying him is no big deal. The little boy down the street told you to do something and you went, no big deal. God tells you to do something, that's a big deal. That is a big, big deal. That's Grand Canyon style big deal. Amen. <laughs> Seeing his majesty, being mindful of his greatness, that's what I'm trying to say to you, 
will keep you on the straight and narrow. It keeps you to live a good life, a pure life. In fact, Proverbs 16, verse 6 says this, By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Because God is so big. He's, a, he's, he's awesome. He's beyond my description. I, I, I don't want to displease him. So this verse that I read to you earlier said this, Proverbs 14, 26, chapter 14, verse 26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. In other words, in the fear of the Lord is faith. And since you cannot be in fear and in faith at the same time, this kind of fear, the fear of the Lord, removes every other fear. I said, this kind of fear removes every other fear. Whoo! The cure for worry is being mindful of the greatness of God. He's bigger than your problems. He's bigger than your enemies. He's bigger than anything you face. So that could mean the thing that will restore your marriage is the fear of the Lord. Why? Because when we're in fear or when we're stressed with anxiety, we often respond in anger. And when we're angry, we upset others in our household. You know, my children say, if daddy's not happy, nobody's happy. The staff says the same thing, don't they? <laughs> right? So when you're angry, ask yourself, what am I afraid of? And the way to overcome fear is with faith. And the way to have strong confidence is to know that God is awesome. He's bigger than this. He can pay the bills. He can take care of me. It'll be all right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me give this verse to somebody. James 1.20. I got to wrap this up. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You and I aren't called to live by anger. Nowhere does the Bible say, and the just shall live by anger. <laughs> Amen. The will of God is not accomplished by human irritation. The work of God is done by faith. Hallelujah. The fear of the Lord, I need to go a little further. See, I was gone for all these weeks. I'm going to give you everything you should have heard from me in one message. You'll be home by 3 o'clock, I'm sure of that. The fear of the Lord puts things in perspective. People give too much respect to sickness. They mention the word cancer with great reverence. They do, they do, they do. What's wrong with Sister Zamazama? She has, let's say it softly, cancer. <laughs> well, no, I'm not, I'm not, don't misunderstand me, don't misunderstand I'm not suggesting that's not a serious issue. What I'm su suggesting is your perspective is wrong. 
No, no. We say the name of the Lord with reverence. Jesus, my healer. Cancer, Jesus. Dodie Osteen was diagnosed with cancer. She said when she first heard those words from the doctor, she went home and cried. And she said that cancer looked so big and God looked so small. But she made the determination, I'm going to read the Bible every day. And I don't just mean for a couple of minutes. She spent hours reading, feeding on the Word of God. She said after several weeks, not just a day or two, that cancer looks so small and God looks so big. And she was healed. Are you out there today? David wasn't impressed with Goliath's size. Yeah, sure, he's the biggest man on the field. But next to God, he's a midget. He's a little a speck. So the fear of the Lord has something to do with what you're focused on. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. I'll just give you a couple of more verses, and I, can, I have to go. I can just see that hungry look on your face and uh, know that I won't last very long. Let me just skip over a couple of things. Let me go to Romans chapter 15, verse 17, and then, um, you know, I fear the Lord, and I'm a little bit afraid the way you're looking at me right now. So Romans chapter 15, verse 17 says this. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. And by the way, in case you think that that's a mistranslation, there's a dozens and dozens of other versions that say basically the same thing. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. We hear the word pride and instinctively think of something bad, something that should be avoided. And the Bible does say God resists the proud. But just like there are different kinds of faith and there are different kinds of fear, there's a different kind of pride. Paul had this one, and it's good. Are you listening to me? The Passion Translation says this. I enjoy an enthusiasm and confidence in my ministry for God. This pride is a sense of satisfaction, which produces gratitude, gratitude towards God. Some Christians are never very enthusiastic or confident about anything they do for God. And they think that they should always speak disparagingly of themselves. Oh, uh, this is my little church, uh, my little ministry, oh, yeah, it's just this little work I'm doing. Yeah, it's just, uh, that's actually false humility. And false humility is worse than pride. Are you listening to me? The easy to read version says this. That is why I feel so good about what I have done for God. You can have a sense of satisfaction for what, I know it's by his grace. Paul knows that too. You can have a sense of satisfaction for what you have accomplished for God's kingdom. It's okay to do that. Let me give you another verse, and this will be the last one. <laughs> no service tonight. We, we, we did them both this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 1, 14. That on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. 
See, there's a good kind of pride. There's a good kind of pride. Can a father say to his son, I'm proud of you? Yes, that's a good thing. In fact, your son probably needs to hear that. Can a father say to his daughter, I'm so proud of you? Yes. But God resists the proud. No, 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 no. This is a different kind of pride. He says, when, on, when the day the Lord returns, you're going to boast of us and we're going to boast of you. Amen? When I boast of this church, some people get irritated. Interestingly enough, the devil also gets irritated. That's not good company to be in. I'm going to boast. I'm going to boast in you. I, I sometimes used to say, welcome to Spirit of Faith Church, where God goes to church. And some people are like, ah, something wrong with you. He said, I'm going to boast of you. I'm going to boast of you. And he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. I know it's because of God's goodness. I know it's because of his grace. I know it's because of his mercy. You can be confident and enthusiastic in your ministry. You don't have to kind of pretend like, oh, this little work. I'm, you don't have to do like that. Paul said, I magnify my office. Whoa. He's quite bold about his work for the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And everything we do, let us boast in the Lord. Can you stand with me to your feet right now?